Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Reality Check podcast. The subject for this episode is Universal Laws. The quote for this episode is a Buddha quote. As a thing is viewed, so it appears. I talked in the first episode about the education system which is there to program perception, not least the perception of possibility. If you are a global cult who wishes to enslave a global population through manipulation of perception, you must limit the perception of possibility of that population so that you can operate outside that narrow range of possibility so when people try to expose what you're doing or try to inform the population of their own inherent power to transform their life and stand as free sovereign entities people will dismiss that information because it's outside of their programmed limited sense of possibility To understand the true nature of reality and the answers to the universe's greatest mysteries is to understand the key to freedom. They say truth is stranger than fiction. Mark Twain said, truth is stranger than fiction because fiction is obliged to stick to perceived possibilities. Truth is not. Indeed, the perceived truth needs serious revision. People look at the world around them and experience a solid physical reality when this simply cannot be the case. According to conventional science, reality is made up of atomic mass and matter. This is what makes up everything we see. However, atoms have no solidity. They are merely packets of energy in a waveform. Everything in this reality is waveform vibrating information. Sound, understood to be a wave, is received by the ears, passed to the brain in an electrical form, and then the brain decodes processes the information to create the sound we hear. All the senses facilitate the same process. They take energetic wave-field vibrational information, convert it to electrical information and send it to the brain which processes it into the sense we experience. The brain decodes the information into digital and then holographic form and the digital holographic is what we experience as a physical visual reality. Holograms are created using waveform information. Holograms are produced using two parts of the same light, the same waveform information. One half, known as the working beam, is deflected onto the subject and then onto the photographic plate. The other, known as the reference beam, directed straight to the plate. When the two waves collide, a waveform interference pattern appears. Shine a light or a laser on this interference pattern and a hologram appears. Our laser is our focus, our attention. Some scientists say that reality only exists when we observe it, but I would say decoded it. Reality only exists when the brain has decoded waveform information and processed it, decoded it, into a digital holographic illusion which only exists inside of us, not outside. As Morpheus says in The Matrix, What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. Reality is waveform information processed and decoded by the brain into illusory particle 
form. Israeli-American scientist, inventor, mystic and author Isaac Bentov describes the illusion of apparent atomic solidity in the following quote. Bentov's many inventions include the steerable cardiac catheter which helped pioneer the biomedical engineering industry. Bentov said, Let us now magnify a piece of bone. We see the atoms weaving back and forth like a field of ripe wheat blown by the wind. They move in unison and in beautiful rhythm. Acoustical energy is flowing through the crystal. Next we focus on the atoms. At first they appear as little shadowy balls, vibrating about fixed points in the molecule. As we magnify, we see less and less. The electron shell has somehow dissolved, and we are looking at a vacuum. As we further magnify, we see something tiny moving about. We focus on what we suspect is the nucleus of the atom, located in this vast space within the atom. If we take the diameter of the nucleus of a hydrogen atom to be one millimetre, then the diameter of the electron orbit will be about 10 metres, a ratio of 1 to 10,000, and the intervening space is vacuum. As we zero in and further magnify the vibrating nucleus, it seems to be dissolving. We are looking at some shadowy pulsation, some more magnification, and the nucleus is almost gone. We are sensing the pulsation of some energy. It seems to be a rapidly pulsating field. But where did the bone go? We thought that we were looking at a solid piece of matter. Well, it seems that the real reality, the micro-reality, that which underlies all of our solid, good, common-sense reality, is made up, as we have just witnessed, of a vast, empty space filled with oscillating fields. Many different kinds of fields, all interacting with each other. The tiniest disturbance in one field carries over into the others. It's an interlocked web of fields, each pulsating at their own rate but in harmony with the others, their pulsations spreading out farther and farther throughout the cosmos. Rupert Sheldrake, a biologist, author of over 80 technical papers and 10 books, previously a fellow of Clare College, Cambridge University, as a director of cell biology and previous research fellow of the Royal Society, points out that atoms are not inert particles of stuff, as in old-style atomism. Rather, as revealed by 20th century physics, they are structures of activity, patterns of energetic vibration within fields. These are the wave fields which are decoded by the brain into illusory physical reality. Sheldrake uses the example of benzene, a chemical element, to illustrate how electromagnetic fields are formed. Sheldrake said, for a chemical example, think of benzene, a molecule with six carbon and six hydrogen atoms. Each of these atoms is a holon, consisting of a nucleus with electrons around it. In the benzene molecule, the six carbon atoms are joined together in a six-sided ring and electrons are shared between the atoms to create a vibrating cloud of electrons around the entire molecule. The patterns of vibration of the molecule affect the atoms within it, and since the electrons are electrically charged, the atoms are in a vibrating electromagnetic field. Benzene is a liquid at room temperature, but below 
5.5 degrees, it crystallizes. And as it does so, the molecules stack themselves together in a regular three-dimensional pattern called the lattice structure. This crystal lattice also vibrates in harmonic patterns, creating vibrating electromagnetic fields which affect the molecules within them. There is a nested hierarchy of levels of organization interacting through a nested hierarchy of vibrating fields. Sheldrake explains matter as an energy form. He said, Matter turns out to be highly packed energy, transformable into other forms of energy, and therefore something in the nature of a process, since it can be converted into other processes, such as light and, of course, motion and heat. Thus, one may say that the results of modern physics suggest that we should give up the idea of a substance or essence. They suggest that there is no self-identical entity persisting during all changes in time. The universe now appears to be not a collection of things, but an interacting set of events or processes. Sheldrake is correct. The entire universe is not a collection of things. It is an interacting set of encoded wave fields waiting to be decoded by the brain into a visual holographic reality. The process through which we decode reality can be likened to the process through which a computer displays the wireless internet on its screen. The computer receives information in the form of electromagnetic radiation fields, wave fields, and decodes them into the form of text, graphics and videos that we see on the screen and know as the internet. The only place the internet exists in that form is on the screen and not outside of it. Television is the same, in that the moving images we see on the screen are not in that form anywhere else. Likewise, the only place this reality exists in the form we experience it is on our screen, which we call the five sense world. Our reality does not exist outside of our body computer in the visual, physical form we experience. All this outside of us are waveform information fields, nothing physical. Even the body and the brain are part of the illusion. An article on Forbes website entitled Your Brain Sees Even When You Don't talks about how out of an estimated 11 million impressions of reality encoded in photons, the smallest unit of light, which we receive every second, the brain takes just 40 of them to construct visual reality. In comparison to the estimated size of the universe, according to conventional science, the electromagnetic light spectrum is 0.005% of what exists in the universe. I have seen an estimate of 0.5%, but either way, we're talking an infinitesimally small visual range. However, human visual acuity does not encompass either percentage, but merely a tiny fraction called visible light. In other words, the visible part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Humans are basically virtually blind compared with what there is to see. We can't even see 1% of what exists. So we don't see real physicality, but how can we feel it? We are not feeling physicality, we are feeling an electromagnetic field. We can't walk through walls, not because of physical resistance, but because of electromagnetic resistance. The experience of physical solidity is actually the experience of electromagnetic fields interacting with or resisting each other. And if the resistance is powerful enough, we experience the same feeling as we do when we bang our knee on the coffee table, for example. We call this kind of resistance pain, and a four-letter word often follows. 
Solidity has nothing to do with physical matter. The slower the vibration, the lower the frequency, the more dense and solid something appears to be. The faster the vibration, the higher the frequency, the less dense something appears to be, like water and gas, for example, and ultimately light and sound. Physical solidity is the combination of a slow vibration and therefore a low frequency within the range of visible light. As genius inventor and scientist Nikola Tesla said, if you wish to understand the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency and vibration. Researcher and author Michael Talbot says in his book, The Holographic Universe. For Carl Pribram, Carl Pribram was a professor at Georgetown University, an emeritus professor of psychology and psychiatry at Stanford University and distinguished professor at Radford University, born in Vienna, Austria, who passed away in 2015. For Karl Pribram, this synthesis made him realise that the objective world does not exist, at least not in the way we are accustomed to believing. What is out there is a vast ocean of waves and frequencies, and reality looks concrete to us, only because our brains are able to take this holographic blur and convert it into sticks and stones and other familiar objects that make up our world. In other words, the smoothness of a piece of fine china and the feel of beach sand beneath our feet are really just elaborate versions of the phantom limb syndrome. According to Pribram, this does not mean there are not china cups and grains of beach sand out there. It simply means that a china cup has two very different aspects to its reality. When it is filtered through the lens of our brains, it manifests as a cup. But if we could get rid of our lenses, we'd experience it as an interference pattern, a waveform interference pattern. Which is real and which is illusion? Both are real to me, says Pribram. Or, if you want to say, neither of them is real. Carl Pribram is correct. Nothing that we see in this reality exists in the form we see it, only as waveform fields decoded by the brain into illusory particle form. We are led to believe the universe's mysteries are incredibly complex and can only be answered by clever scientists. But as I show in the mystery solved chapter of Reality Check, the answers are incredibly simple. Conventional scientists are mesmerised and clueless about reality and so are nowhere near answering the great mysteries. Science has spent generations and untold amounts of money with professors researching for years after passing exams at school, college and university to find the answers to no avail. There is no such thing as the universe's mysteries, only a lack of understanding of reality. When you understand the nature of reality, these answers become perfectly simple and easily explainable. The cult has long known the answers to these questions because they understand the nature of reality. They just keep it from the global population. I'll start with one of the most important mysteries. I have said that reality is an illusion and that we create our own reality. But how? To understand how this and much more works, we need to understand quantum entanglement or wave entanglement. I will use the latter term from now on. You can visualise this by picturing two pebbles thrown in a pond and the waves which propagate out from the point of impact and the connection they make. 
The body is an illusory waveform field projected from the mind which is an electromagnetic field. The mind is often confused with the brain when the brain is the processor of information which originates elsewhere. The soul is expanded awareness or consciousness beyond the brain and the five senses and is also an electromagnetic field. To keep it simple, I will use the term soul to refer to both mind and soul and consciousness for the true self. The soul field and body field are entangled as one is a projection of the other. When the body field stops oscillating and generating the necessary electricity, the soul field disentangles from the body field and we call that death. It is only wave disentanglement. As a result, the soul field becomes aware of much more than the five senses because the wave entanglement with the body field locked in focus to only the five senses. As I explained earlier, everything in this reality, in its prime form, is a wave field of information vibrating to a particular frequency. We create our experience of reality by attracting, through the soul field, frequency fields of light, frequency and vibration. When people talk about good or bad vibes from a person or experience, they are speaking the truth, although most won't realise it. Our frequency dictates the range of possibilities and probabilities which we can entangle with and we then choose via our perceptions which of those possibilities and probabilities we actually entangle with. The simple phrase which has several variations of what you give out is what you get back explains it all in a nutshell. People can start to dictate their own experience of life by understanding that what we send out in the form of electromagnetic wave fields, thoughts, perceptions, entangles with electromagnetic wave fields of the same frequency. We decode this information into holographic form as people, places, jobs, opportunities or lack of them, experiences and everything that makes up our life. I have likened it before to syncing two mobile phones or two pieces of technology. They both must be electronically, energetically compatible with each other for the synchronization to work. The term synchronization is relevant as the term synchronicity is very similar and it means an experience which is not a coincidence but might seem like one. Synchronicity is basically a word to describe how we create reality. The phrase as luck would have it should really be as synchronicity would have it. We are constantly emitting and receiving, not least through the DNA and our electromagnetic field, waveform information on the frequency of our thoughts, emotions, perceptions, and this draws back to us waveform information on the same frequency which plays out once decoded as our daily and life experience. People talk about luck, but there is no luck. Why do so many people who think that being unlucky is just part of their life experience constantly have so much bad luck? Because they have attracted those experiences. What's going out isn't changing, so what's coming back isn't changing. We are creating the apparent luck. I said in pay-per-view in print, my first book, that there is no such thing as luck, and this understanding of reality explains why. Why do some people keep drawing the same kind of people into their lives repeatedly? Because they have attracted those people. What we believe or perceive we bring into our experience. If we believe we are an unlucky person, and nothing ever happens to us, then it won't, as we will never attract wave fields encoded with that information. In other words, what we put out, in terms of thoughts, perceptions, wave fields, will only sync with other wave fields encoded with information that we experience, once decoded, as nothing happening to us. We also attract to us what we fear, which is why some people can walk through a field without a fear of dogs and not even see one, ever, and others will experience a dog running up to them regularly because the fear has attracted that experience. 
karma doesn't actually exist and just like luck is another word for how we create our experience of reality. People see karma as an external force when, again, people have attracted the karma to themselves. Karma is not punishment, it's a learning experience as it allows us to look at ourselves, change and move on. I take a different view to the traditional idea of karma, however. I say that if we learn the lesson before the karma, then there is no karma because it would no longer serve a purpose. We're not sending out and therefore attracting to us the same experience, waveform information, anymore. The perception, wavefield information, which causes you to say or do something for which it is believed you will experience karma, attracts a like experience, like wavefield information. If you change before that wavefield information is attracted and decoded, meaning you don't attract and decode it, then you cannot experience it because we can only experience what we attract and decode. Even if karma did exist in the way most people think, the karma is relevant to the lesson. There's very little point in being a thief and the karma playing out with something going wrong with your car, for example. The lesson that needs to be learned would be relevant to the experience. I don't even see karma as a lesson, but as a particular wave field you have attracted to yourself from the field of possibility and probability, just like every other experience. Another mystery is how animals can often tell when an earthquake or natural disaster is soon to occur long before humans who only know when they see or feel physical signs. Tests with a terrier called JT who lived near Manchester, England with his owner, Pam Smart, saw JT waiting for Pam just before she set off homeward, apparently when she formed the intention to do so whatever the time of day, on 85 out of 100 return journeys. On some occasions when he failed to react, he was sick. On others, there was a female dog in heat in the next flat, leading to JT being distracted. JT also anticipated his owner's return when he was left at Pam's sister's house or alone in Pam's flat. At one time, when Pam was working routine office hours as a secretary in Manchester, her parents noticed that JT would go to the French window in the living room almost every weekday about 4.30pm, around the time Pam set off for home. Her journey, her journey typically took 45 minutes to an hour, and JT would wait at the window for most of the return journey. When Pam was laid off from a job, she would be away from home for hours on end, but JT still anticipated her return. In experiments in which Pam returned home at random times without even her parents knowing when she would return home, JT still anticipated his owner's return. The experiment is documented in a paper entitled A Dog That Seems to Know When His Owner Is Coming Home, Videotaped Experiments and Observations. The paper was written by Rupert Sheldrake and published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration in 2000. JT may be the most well-known example, but Sheldrake notes in the paper that experiments conducted by other scientists have produced similar results. Animals are sensing the changes in the Earth's energy field as they have not been desensitised from higher awareness as humans have through the education system, media, entertainment, toxins and other forms of programming and dumbing down the population. As I explained earlier, the body, like everything else in this reality, is a hologram. And one of the key traits of a hologram is every part is a smaller version of the whole. So if you cut a hologram into four pieces, you don't get four separate parts, you get four quarter-sized versions of the whole. In other words, every part of the whole is an expression, albeit smaller, of the whole, which explains how alternative healing methods like acupuncture work. Acupuncture can identify points on the hand, lung, liver, etc., which relate to other parts of the body. 
Conventional scientists would ask, why are you targeting a point in the hand when someone has a problem with their back? Answer, the information blockage is not in the back, it's in the hand. Therefore, rebalancing the information flow at the point of imbalance in the hand will cure the problem with the back, or can. Another common healing technique attacked by conventional science is homeopathy. How can you repeatedly dilute a substance until the substance is just the, the diluting liquid? Water, for example, and not the original substance anymore, and then heal someone with the liquid? Answer. The substance may be diluted away, but the information of the substance remains in the liquid, and it's the information which does the healing. Conventional medicine would say this is nonsense because it does not acknowledge the nature of reality. The next mystery I will answer is telepathy. This is claimed to be impossible by people clueless of how reality works. Thought creates reality. Thought is an electromagnetic wave field propagated through the scalar field. Telepathy involves tuning into that field and frequency and decoding it into language or imagery. Another mystery. When you are thinking of someone and then... They call you on the phone. You may have been thinking of them, but they were thinking of you first when they decided to call you, and that's what you picked up. There are no hundreds of, or thousands of miles for the thought to travel, and there is no empty space. It's an electromagnetic wave field communication through the same one overall field, the scalar field which encompasses everything in this reality. The thought to call you created a wave entanglement with you. Another example of wave entanglement can be explained by an experiment placing two violins playing a certain note next to each other. Introduce a third untuned violin. The third violin will eventually attune itself to the note of the other two because the vibration from the other two violins has vibrated the third violin into line. This explains how personal relationships work as people have vibrational compatibility through the soul through the mind-soul field and sink towards each other. This also explains why people change over time depending on who they spend time with. This is another example of wave entanglement. The dominant frequency out of a group of friends will vibrate other friends in the group into line through wave entanglement. This is known as sympathetic resonance or entrainment. When people talk about being in sync with one another, one person's electromagnetic field has been vibrated into line with the other, and through wave entanglement becomes ever more an expression of the other person's electromagnetic field. This is the real origin of the phrase, you are who you mix with, or more accurately, you are who you entangle with. Perceptions obviously decide what personal relationships we seek to pursue, and if this is mutual, then wave entanglement follows. We describe this as making a bond. Entanglement is not only positive. Entanglement can encompass two or more people who don't like each other's company, or one person controlling or dictating to someone else. A relationship based only on physical attraction will form a wave entanglement to reflect that. When the attraction fades, the entanglement unravels and the couple, coupling, separates. Or at least they do if that's the only connection. A group of friends can also be seen as an electrical circuit given the fact that our reality is electrical on one level. The leader of the group, if there is one, or the dominant frequency, in other words, sends out the electrical signal, information, which is received by the other friends in the group and back round to the leader. How is the circuit created in the first place? Sympathetic resonance. Why does the electrical signal give back to the leader? The leader, the dominant frequency, sets the tone and the others play the same note. 
In doing so, they set up a completed circuit between the leader and them. Acquiescence to authority works on the same principle. I will talk about this in a future episode in more detail. From this understanding, we can see how genuine people go into the system of politics and government as one person, hoping to challenge certain policies or political ideas, and then, over time, end up becoming a completely different person and everything they went into politics and government to change because they've been vibrated into line by their political environment and other politicians. This is one reason, among many others, why politics will never change anything. Another mystery that can be explained by wave entanglement, football teams talk about the advantage of playing at their home stadium. This is because of the extra energy they get from the home crowd, which will be the majority. Athletes in an Olympic race running out of energy sometimes say they found extra energy, which gave them the will and strength to keep going until the end. Their own determination would have played a part, but so too would wave entanglement from the spectators urging them across the line or to win the race. Another mystery is what happens when the body dies. When the body dies, our state of consciousness dictated by our perceptions dictates where we go or don't go, or appear to go. In other words, if we believe, as most people are programmed to, that this reality is solid and real, and that we are human, we will go nowhere. Most people are recycled back into this reality after death for another human life with another name and another persona. Interestingly, persona is a Greek word meaning mask, like an actor's mask. Most people have played many parts in this reality while forgetting their true self. Talk about being lost in the role. Another mystery explained by pure thought is poltergeists. It's interesting that many poltergeist hauntings take place when the observer is very stressed. I've already said thought and emotion are waveform information fields. Poltergeists can be explained by the stress and negative thoughts, waveform fields, impacting on objects, waveform fields, and causing them to move around the room. The electromagnetic field of the person is connecting with the electromagnetic field of the object. This is an example of wave entanglement. When the person's stress subsides, which is massively increased by the poltergeist activity happening, the poltergeist activity stops. The person is actually haunting themselves without realising it. This is not the only explanation for poltergeist activity, but it is one of them. People who say ghosts, disembodied consciousness in other words, don't exist, should keep in mind that almost the entirety of existence is invisible to us, as I explained earlier. The idea that other entities don't exist other forms of life, forms of consciousness don't exist outside of a fraction of a fraction of existence is beyond ludicrous. Why can't we see ghosts and other entities and why are ghosts depicted as ethereal entities? If the frequency range of human sight was wider, we would see them. Ghosts are a form of visual interference similar to radio interference. The radio station is there but not quite and so it is with ghosts in visual terms. Ghosts are a consciousness that has either briefly entered the frequency range of this reality and then left, or it can be consciousness that is forever trapped here, at least until it can be set free perceptually and therefore frequency-wise. A major study conducted by a team led by Dr. Samparnia, Director of Critical Care and Resuscitation Research at NYU Langone School of Medicine in New York City, found that people are aware they're dead because their consciousness continues to work after the body has stopped showing signs of life. He and his team looked at people who suffered a cardiac arrest, technically died, but were later revived in the, in the largest study of its type ever carried out. Some of the people in the study say they had awareness of full conversations and seeing things happening around them, even after they were pronounced dead. 
It's easy to dismiss what they said as just making it up, but the accounts were verified by the medical and nursing staff who were present at the time. Death in the experiment was defined as the point at which the heart no longer beats and blood flow to the brain is cut off. Dr. Parnia explains, technically, that's how you get the time of death. It's all based on the moment when the heart stops. Once that happens, blood no longer circulates to the brain, which means brain function halts almost instantaneously. You lose all your brain stem reflexes, your gag reflex, your pupil reflex, all that is gone. One attempt to explain away this phenomenon is that there is apparently a burst of brain energy when someone dies, therefore their brain is still active. But in the experiment carried out by Dr. Parnia, brain function stopped virtually instantly before the experiment started, so what happened was not due to a burst in brain activity. BBC science programme Horizons in 2002 aired an episode looking at parallel universes which began with this quote. For almost a hundred years, science has been haunted by a dark secret, that there might be mysterious hidden worlds beyond our human senses. Mystics had long claimed there were such places. They were, they said, full of ghosts and spirits. The last thing science wanted was to be associated with such superstition. But ever since the 1920s, physicists have been trying to make sense of an uncomfortable discovery. When they tried to pinpoint the exact location of atomic particles like electrons, they found it was utterly impossible. They had no single location. Alan Guth, Massachusetts Institute of Technology said, when one studies the properties of atoms, one found that the reality is far stranger than anybody would have invented in the form of fiction. Particles really do have the possibility of in some sense, being in more than one place at one time. Narrator of the episode, the only explanation which anyone could come up with is that the particles don't just exist in our universe, they fit into existence in other universes too, and there are, there are an infinite number of these parallel universes, all of them slightly different. And is that really a surprise? Those quotes from the Horizons episode, given that our universe is less than 0.005% of existence. So who's to say how many other realities exist? Another ghostly mystery... The sensation of feeling cold when a ghost is around could be explained by consciousness drawing energy out of the room in the form of heat to exist or manifest within the room. An electromagnetic connection on the person's nervous system is another explanation. People talk of electronic or electrical equipment going on the blink. This can be explained by an electromagnetic field making contact with an electrical or electronic device or appliance. This is obviously the easiest way for the person's consciousness to make a connection with the physical reality. As children, we are potentially more sensitive to other frequencies and consciousness. The programming of a human life dials down that sensitivity to near enough non-existent by the time many people reach adulthood, or what passes for it in many cases. And this is why, as Reality Check makes clear, we need to keep a truly open mind and question everything. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There's much more in Reality Check, which is now available for pre-order at paperview.uk. View, as in V-I-E-W. I'll put a link in the episode description, show notes. And stay tuned for the next episode. Does everybody really know that?